Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to another episode of the monthly comic cast, comics cast presented to you by the New England <laughs> Society of Geeks. It's been a while. We took a little time off, but we're back. And so that means I have with me the cosmic comic guru, Dario. Hey, how you doing? Hey, all right. So how's things? How's tricks? How things are going good. Of course, you know, we it's not like we haven't seen each other since our last recording. See but... each other a week. <laughs> At the store. At the store. It's been a slow month, but this coming month is going to be busy. Next month we have the Plastic City Comic Con we're going to go to. Oh, right. And there's a a few other things going on, and I'm getting ready for vacation in August and all kinds of other stuff, so I'm I'm mentally busy, even though I might not look physically busy. (laughs) (laughs) Is the store going to be? Yeah, we're there every year. At at Plastic City? Yeah, we're there every year. We set up and we have like a a small table and we give stuff away and maybe sell cheap stuff for, you know, I bring trades for like five bucks mm-hmm. and I think I give a bunch of comics away mm-hmm. and we put out some Japanese candy and that kind of stuff. But the whole point is really just to kind of tell people to go to our store. Right. Here's, sure. a, here's a coupon, go to our store. Here's a coupon, go to our store. That works. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work to just take the stuff that I take and set it up and then work it and then break it down and leave. And all those people that bring tons of stuff, oh, oh. that's so much more work. Yeah. I would, yeah. I can't, I could not be a convention guy on a regular basis. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Well, some of the bigger stuff, convention guys will have teams to do it, but. Oh yeah. Oh, you, you have know, people. The yeah. smaller guy. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, uh, it's me that sets it up. It's me that breaks it down. And I have, I have two people that work it and I don't work it because I don't want to stand in there all day. Uh, but I do go back and forth between the stores, between the store and the convention, and I go and help them have lunch breaks, and I go and I bring them stuff so the people that are working are comfortable. So I don't know; it's a lot of work, a lot of me running around that day. Yeah, not as fun as you as you might think. <laughs> yeah, and then what is this? this? Is the third year for that con? Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm glad they put it off until July because mm-hmm. last year they did it in April. And did you go in April last no, year? No, I did not. It was freezing in there. Yeah, Paul will tell you about that. He, uh, they, they had just thawed the, thawed the ice in oh. the rink. So it was yeah. like frigid in there uh-huh. and, and everybody was just like, oh, it's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't make it last year. I think because of when it was, I had something, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember, but I couldn't make it. I think Jerry, was it Jerry Ordway there last year or was he there the year before? He was there last year. Yeah. It was yeah. great to meet him. Yeah. He was awesome. Actually this year they have Larry Hama, which mm-hmm. is cool. I want to, I want to, uh. Have him sign your GI Joe him. number one. I wish I had GI Joe number one. What? I have seven <laughs> of them. No, I don't have seven. <laughs> sure you I do. have one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. I wish I had GI Joe number one. But anyway, I had I had that mailed to me as a kid. Really? That was like one of the one of the four books I subscribed to as a kid. I subscribed to GI Joe, huh. Rom, Alpha Flight, and maybe Spider Man. I can't remember what the other one was. But I had a, I had a couple a couple subscriptions. I get them in mail from Marvel. They were in, brown paper bag and they're always folded 
nice and tight. So they had a nice crease right down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done it through the mail. But yeah. I don't have to. I have a perfectly good comic book store that I can go to. Every yeah. Week. Yeah. Well, once we had comic shops around here, it was mail order was done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we did have two of them at one time. Oh, what? Great Expectations? Yes. Was it called Great Expectations? Yes, it was. That's right. Yeah. And it was one of my friends. It was his uncle's store. It was uh, uh, Pete and Jimmy. It was Pete and Jimmy's store. Yes. Yep, yeah. Yep. And that was back when your store, that's entertainment, used to be called Same Bat Channel. Yeah. Well, that was under a whole different ownership, too. Right. It was, right, yeah. it was uh, uh, oh God, I can't remember his name now. He's a, he's a radio personality in Worcester. Um, but he owned it, and then he sold to Paul Howley. And then that's entertainment ever since. Success. Welcome to Fitchburg. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get to our reviews. Yes. All right. So, comic book reviews. I have a short stack, so we'll go through mine first. Yeah, well, I'll let you go first. What do I have? I have. Uh, you think I'm? You think I'm reviewing a DC comic? I think yeah. I think I always review DC comics. So you were just talking about getting comics through the mail, and I was surprised to not hear a single DC comic mentioned. Yeah, because I wasn't a DC fan until after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Ah, yes, yes. Once Crisis came out, I was one on one. I mean, I was reading DC books, but I was just like, ah. And then Crisis One came out, and mm-hmm. I was one hundred percent on board. It's oh, I take that back. I think I read, I read the New Teen Titans very regularly. I think I read it from issue like four on, so I was on board I was very never, early for that book. I was book. never a Titans fan. Such a great book. The art was great. George Perez, Marv mm-hmm. Wolfman. Mm-hmm. The stories were. Uh, to, for me, like a like a level above what I was normally reading in DC, so mm. it was really good. My big DC days were during the um, the Justice League International and everything. Oh yeah, those are those are those, a riot. Uh, those are so good to read. I used to love it back then. Actually, before I do this, I was uh, going to tell you I'm thinking about uh, with the, starting with the next podcast. Besides doing this, I'm going to do one. I'm going to do one back issue review. I'm just going like to I'm like going to read a back issue. Yeah. I'm going gonna, gonna to go old. Nice. I'm going to read, like, Golden Age crap. <laughs> cool, I like it. That's a good idea. I like that. We'll do that as a special segment for All right, you. sounds good. Yeah. All right, so my first book I have is from DC. It is Hawkman number 13. I'm pretty sure I've talked about Hawkman before. I'm pretty sure you have. Uh, the first, this is to be the, the beginning of a new story arc. So issues 1 through 12 dealt with him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Delving into his past, um, learning more about his, his, his uh, reincarnated Reincarnated history, which oh, uh, before you continue, mm-hmm. uh, we should we always forget to do this, and we should probably do this. Uh, say this, the creative team, no, well, yeah, that too. But, um, I always forget to put in a spoiler warning at the beginning of the book. Oh, yeah, because we're doing reviews here, so rather than I mean, we probably won't. No, no, I spoil it 100%. Yeah, actually, we do. Yeah, so spoiler warning the books that we are reviewing, we will probably spoil a bit of so you have been warned right all right continue so, sir writer is robert uh vanetti robert 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 <laughs> robert robert vanetti is the writer and yeah. i'll screw up names here so i'm sorry is- will conrad's the artist uh jeremiah shipper is the colorist and starkings and comic cast are the letter letterers hey so like it when they have like some weird company that Good I have thing to try and read off. Our name to comics cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what was I gonna? Oh yeah. So is this is this the same creative team or has anything changed? Same writer. I think okay. the artist has changed. Right for the new arc. But I'm not 100. Um. 
So before I get into this particular issue, I'm just going to say that I really enjoyed the the twelve issue story arc that they covered, except for like the last three issues, or maybe even the last four issues, because the last four issues is just a big fight, and I get a little tired of of, of extended fight scenes that mm-hmm. have to go quite that long. Um, but other than that, uh, the first story arc for Hawkman was really good. It took him places that he hadn't necessarily been taken before, even though it covered uh, it dealt a lot with his his reincarnations and his past lives and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, before when Jeff Johns was doing it and other people were doing it, it was so it was so uh, fixated on his uh, relationship with Hawk Girl mm-hmm. or Hawk Woman, mm-hmm. um, and it really kept them grounded on Earth as far as their reincarnations go. Right. And this, you find out that he's reincarnated on other planets. He's been a Kryptonian. He's been all kinds of things. Oh, really? Right. So, and he's also reincarnated. Uh, he's been reincarnating longer than the Egyptian timeline because, mm-hmm. but prior to this. It was always considered that uh, uh, his Egyptian life was his first life, but it's mm-hmm. not. He goes back further than that. Mm. So ultimately, uh, what we found out in the first story arc is that he's trying to redeem all the evils he did in his prior life because he was a, a death bringer and he would just uh, take a, like conquer planets and sacrifice their populations to evil gods. Oh, okay. So he's trying to make up for that. Interesting. So in this particular issue, he's flying through space in his ship and going through his library, and now he has access to information about his past lives he never had before. He finds a diary and starts reading about it, and it is um, about um, uh, in the trenches, in the trenches, trenches uh, fighter in a war on a planet called Nebulon. And what it is is these guys on one side fighting against these guys on the other side. It's 100% trench warfare, just like mm-hmm. World War One was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just get up and shoot. And um, they they get to a big fight, big part in the fight, and he goes and they try and they try and take some ground, uh, just like they used to try and take grounds and, and take ground in no man's land. And he would get shot and die. And then his next reincarnation would be twenty five years later. Mm-hmm. So he was old enough to be in the war again. Mm-hmm. And he was on the other side of other side of the same fight. So not the same time necessarily because he is going through reincarnated reincarnated lives. Right. So he was dead. And then he's born again, and then he goes to that same planet, and he's fighting huh. for that same plot of land, but on the other side this time. Interesting. And you find out that he's been fighting on that particular planet for a very long time. Oh. And every time he dies, and every time he reincarnates for the other side. Huh. Interesting. Uh, so, and finally, the the culmination of this is that, is that um, instead, of, <laughs> instead of fighting, they, 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 they do a gesture of peace. And it stops. The fighting stops, and then um, it's it's um, what I'm saying is better in the comic. But basically, he does something that stops the war, and then the planet thrives and becomes like a shining gem in the galaxy. So it's 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 pretty interesting because it goes back and forth, covering both sides of that fight over the course of you know the 24 pages or whatever that's in this book. So you get mm-hmm. to see. Uh, you know, each side, kind of what they're fighting for and what they want and all that stuff. So I thought it was pretty interesting. That is interesting. And it's a totally different take on what I, you know, what I would expect from Hawkman. Because it's, like yeah. it's less Hawkman and more a war story. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've always been a, a big Hawkman fan. I kind of missed out on the first 12 issues of this. Um, That's all right. I just spoiled them for you. <laughs> the, only, the only downside about Hawkman is some people, some writers have trouble with him because of all the reincarnations and right, everything exactly yeah but this this sounds like uh 
sounds pretty good. And what's really good is that everything you've read before about Hawkman, like over any time period of your life that you've read about Hawkman, it's covered in the in the first twelve issues. The, oh, the, he is okay. uh, anything you've read has been a reincarnated version of Hawkman. So mm. it, to deal with that, which is kind of cool. So do you think that is a good jumping on point? This, yeah, I think this is a great jumping on point because cool. it talks about it talks about the repercussions of what what happened in the first twelve issues. Mm-hmm. It talks about what he's learning about himself, and it sets up what's going to happen in, in the next story arc. So I think it's really good. Cool. All right. The next book we're going to talk about is from Dark Horse Comics, and it's called Last Stop on the Red Line. I've read issues one and two. It is a story by Paul Maber- Mabry. Um, probably not Mayberry. It's M-A-B-U-R-Y. So is that Mayberry? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I would guess. Art is by Sam Laffey. Color is by John Ranch. And letters by Adam Pewart. Uh, I know that the writer is from Boston uh, because he mentions it in his uh, editorial on the back ah, of each issue. Sense. Now it's yeah. So I saw it on the shelf, last up in the red line, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Sounds like Boston Subway. Mm-hmm. It is. It's Boston Subway. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure if it was a vampire story set in Boston. I wasn't sure what it was. <laughs> um, this is issue two. This is issue two. Yeah, because the cover for issue one makes it kind of look like a. It would be like a vampire thing because it's just oh. a, it's a person's throat, right. you know? Yeah. Um, but they show that because the first person killed in this issue is strangled. In the red line, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the red line can be a vein very easily. Um, so this book is confusing. It's very confusing. Uh, uh, the art's really good, um, but I just don't know what time frame it's set in. I don't mm-hmm. know. The very first page has a date on it, and it oh. says April 15th, 13th. So I'm assuming it's 2013. That would be my guess. Right, yeah. but I don't know. And it's also it's also um, a marathon day, so they show that. Uh, and there's a lot of, like, not overwhelming imagery of Boston in here, but every once in a while you see stuff, you're like, oh, it's very much Boston. But it starts with the murder. Is it accurate, though? Uh, well, they just show buildings, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I know where that is. Like, especially when they walk by Fenway. Right. There's a scene in issue two where this, the whole, one of the main characters is a homeless guy. And he's walking over the bridge that connects that 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 heads towards Fenway. So right. you'd recognize it if you were there. Yeah. Um. So main storyline is about a female detective. Let's see if I can get her name here. Detective Miguela Torres, uh, a homeless guy whose name is Yusuf. His friends that are in a shelter uh, that go by the name of Wolf and Zev. <laughs> uh, Wolf is like is like a werewolf. And Zev is a vampire. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to get into that in a minute. Okay. Uh, and then Warren is uh, Detective Torres' ex-husband. And then there's some other characters in here, too. Hmm. Um, actually, is that her ex-husband or is that the other detective? Uh, oh, yeah, that's her ex-husband. All right, so basically what happens is it's marathon day, and then it, it they show kind of that scene of, of people watching the marathon, and then it goes to late that night. And there, uh, there are some people that are on the Boston subway and they're heading towards the last stops. And it's just one girl left on the train and one homeless person left on the train. And as often happens in horror movies, this is a setup. Um, right. the, the homeless person, you never can see them. This a piling shuffle of clothes uh, gets up and kills her. Um, and then the, the detective is on scene investigating in the, the camera's that are on the train for some reason when they try and zoom in on the face, the face gets all distorted. So they can't see the face. Mm. Um, 
we do get a chance to see the thing that kills her, and it's a, a, some sort of uh, shambling beast, uh, possibly like a, a swamp monster or something. Um, but there's levels of technology that I'm not, which makes this unclear as to what year it is. She has a smart watch that she talks into, into like Dick Tracy, uh, but it seems like a, a certain level of smart watch that we don't have now. Mm. Uh, in issue two, she uses a gun that is not a regular gun. Mm. Um, they, the, the police officers have badges that apparently can be scanned that gives them their whole bio, which they just mention it in passing. It's not like something they show off. Right. So everything that you see in the comic makes it look like it's happening now, but there are little tidbits that make you think maybe tech is, tech is different. Right. Um, so while she's investigating the murder, we are introduced to the homeless character, Yusuf, who is sleeping in a park and has a nightmare about drowning in darkness and being sucked under by a monster, which looks very reminiscent, reminiscent of the monster that killed the woman on the train. Okay. Um, then you later find out, as he just happens to be walking past the detective, that he had saved that detective's daughter earlier that week. Uh, so she says, I want to take you out to dinner. So, so she takes him to her home. There's a weird interaction with them where... She basically starts getting naked in front of him, like just changing in front of him. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and and he is a little uncomfortable, so he kind of t- says, "You know, I know you're changing in the other room. I can see you, so I'm just gonna close the door. I don't want to freak you out." Uh, but while he's in the house, he steals sleeping pills from her ex-husband and a couple other things. And he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He's got his own problems. I mean, he's there's dialogue is written strangely too. Like there are word balloons when people talk. But there's also text along the bottom that's not enclosed in anything. Like you know, when you read a comic, it's either in a word balloon, or, a thought balloon, right. or a box, right. which can caption be box, a yeah. caption box, which can be used for any number of things. You know, right. nowadays they use the caption box to kind of represent the thought balloons that they did in the old days. Right. But in this case, it's just words on the bottom of the page that seem to correspond to what the children are saying in the book when they're in the, when they're in a scene. Mm-hmm. So when kids talk, is just like on the bottom of the screen. Or, and this is the other thing too, or it's the thing that Yusuf hears because Yusuf hears another person talk that's not there. So he hears voices and when that happens, that's on the bottom of the screen too. So we find out that Yusuf saved her her kid from geese. Uh, Like she was, her daughter was in the park and she was just eating and covered in crumbs and you know how bad geese can be. Like a ton of geese just started attacking her. So he saved her from the geese. So he's being given dinner because of that. Uh, her ex-husband shows up, kicks him out of the house. Um, then Yusuf goes to the homeless shelter, and you find his friends. One dude dresses up like a vampire, and the other guy kind of dresses up like a werewolf. But what's strange is in issue two, he looks exactly like he's drawn to look exactly like a werewolf. Like, when you look at him, you're like, that dude's a werewolf. He's got a snout. He's got fangs. He's a werewolf. <laughs> but nobody responds to that. So I don't know if it's an imagination thing or what's going on. Interesting. Overall, uh, I won't go, go too much more into it because it's just a lot more of the same. Uh, issue two is another murder that's more gruesome mm-hmm. than the first one. The first one is just a strangulation. The second one is an all-out blood show, and that's in the, that's on the subway. Um, and that's when we start seeing more of the strange technology and all that stuff. And you find out that Yusuf is having weird dreams that somewhat correspond to the murders. So now you're wondering if the monster in his dreams is the same monster that's killing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the writer is, uh, like I said, from Boston, 
Uh, I think it's one of his first written works, and he seems to be inspired by Cthulhu a lot, and he's trying to make that, make it have that Cthulhu feel. Mm-hmm. So that I think that that corresponds to the level of confusion and uneasiness I'm getting mm-hmm. with the overall imagery and what's going on, uh, because that's kind of I think the theme of what they do with Cthulhu. I mean, people could tell me if I'm right or wrong there. Uh, interesting. I think it's four issues. They 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 set up every. Um, all the credits kind of like it's a playbill for uh, a, the- a, th- a, th- a theatrical show. Right. So I kind of like that. So oh, okay. overall, the production of the book, I like. Mm. I like the art. I like the story, as confusing as it can be. Um, I mean, I'll finish reading it. I don't know. I don't know how to review it at this point because it's not complete, and there's a lot of there's a lot of just strangeness happening in this book. So it's outside the normal wheelhouse I read, which is another reason why I'm sticking with it. So, mm. but very interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. We forgot to do our ratings. Oh, okay. So, Hawkman. Hawkman. Uh, let's see. What do we go from one to ten or twelve? Oh no, we do the Infinity, Infinity Gems. Infinity Stones, yeah. So one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, six gems. I gotta count all the gems. Six gems, and then the full and gauntlet. There's Thanos is right there if you need to yeah, reference this, it. If I need to count, I can use my toes. <laughs> Does this have like an Infinity Sock? I thought he did. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> And why does Thanos even have five fingers anyway? He could, uh, he's an alien. He could have as many fingers as he wants. <laughs> All right. So, Hawk, <laughs> Hawkman, I'm giving four Infinity Stones. Not bad, not bad. Uh, it's average. Um, it's also kicking off a new storyline. It's I 100% recommend it for a regular read, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not, you know, hitting out of the park right, right now. Not groundbreaking. But I'm not... I'm not dropping this book right now either. I think right. it's really good. And everybody that comes to the store and buys it is always pretty happy with it. So that now, uh, what do I give last stop in the red line? I have to give this a, uh, I'm going to have to give it a soul stone, a single soul stone. Now, now that's different. All right. Now that's not saying we're giving it one gem. Right. That just says I'm giving it the, the, the soul stone is the mystery. <laughs> like, like, Gilmore gets sucked into the soul stone. Nobody knows what's going on with her. You know what? The Black Widow gets sucked into the soul stone. Nobody knows what's going on with her. That's how I feel about this book. Okay. This book has been sucked into the soul stone. Nobody knows what's going on with it. Uh, I get it. I get that. I totally get that. So I give it the soul stone. So that's outside the normal one to five wheels. So one to six wheels. And my last book. Apparently, you have also read it. Is the beginning of DC's big Superman Batman event? I'm going to call it, even though it's really kind of a Superman event. I think uh, it's called Event Leviathan. Even though Superman wasn't in the first issue, yeah, he's talked about. He's, yeah, he's, he's referenced. About he's referenced as my husband. Yeah, <laughs> not by Batman. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> is uh, his hetero life mate? <laughs> mm. uh, so it's by Brian Michael Bendis and. Um, what's my love's first Alex name? Malieve. Alex Malieve. Who they they are one of my favorite um teams. What an amazing creative team! When they work together, oh, everything they do together, I love. Oh, I me too, love it. Although I will have to say, uh, Malieve's art, as much as I love it, I felt was a little too dark in this book. I did too. Yeah. Right? I mean, yes. there was a lot of dark settings. Right. There was a lot of a lot of uh, you know, browns and ochres and yellows that just kind of got a little muddled for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I liked it quite a bit. I also like the fact that this is very much focusing on being a, a detective story. Mm-hmm. I've read some articles mm-hmm. with, <clears throat> with Brian Michael Bendis saying that uh, the six issue 
miniseries is going to be a mystery that readers can solve. So there are going to be clues in here that we can use to solve it. He's also, after writing that, said that he is also very aware that the internet is a huge spoil. Yeah. yeah. And he's trying to make it so it's not going to be super easy. So I don't know what that exactly means. Interesting. But as far as the bad guy, Leviathan, who was introduced in the Superman series, mm-hmm. he is taking down all the spy organizations in the DC universe. Right. And no one knows what his agenda is at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and nobody even knew he existed until this started happening. And he's using a series, of, like, he's using all kinds of different methods. And one of them is just this grandiose being that whenever he appears has a bright light behind him so we can never see what it is. Right. <laughs> But it apparently looks like uh, maybe a big dude in armor or something. But he right, shows up yeah. and usually things blow up. Now, I think I recall reading in Superman that uh, they're not necessarily finding bodies. I don't know if we talked about this before, but yeah, I think I think, yeah. I think he's. I think after after uh, every like organization is destroyed, they're not finding bodies, so they're unclear if people are being taken. Or if they're just being vaporized. Right. Because the level of destruction being done would fit, you know, being vaporized. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, except for occasionally, um, like in this this issue, Steve Trevor, Trevor, we can't talk. Yeah, he was left behind. Steve Trevor is left behind uh, among the rubble. And it is, they talk about that possibly being um, for the purpose of having him be a potential suspect yeah they want to the, the they all they all immediately come to the conclusion that it's the spread descent amongst all the heroes right i mean if there's only one witness then there's no proof that there's any reason why he should have been there or mm-hmm. protected or any of this stuff then he's automatically a witness right uh lois lane is there and, or more than just a witness right well yeah yeah uh you could be behind it all right um and then Lois Lane is there, and her dad is 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 involved in it somehow. And although the regular world doesn't know, doesn't know about Superman being involved with her, I mean that's part of it too. So she's a suspect. And then all of a sudden, Batman's a suspect. And then uh, they're trying to they're trying to make it so everybody's a suspect. Now, having read this, they do introduce a, woman, a female character who works for um, Argus. Yes. Who Steve Trevor was there to try and save. Right. So real quick, the organizations that were destroyed were Cobra, Task Force X, Argus. Was that Argus? Yep. Spiral and the DEO. Um, and in this issue, they show that there's a brand new super gaudy building being built. Yeah. That thing's crazy. called the Odyssey. I don't know how they thought they could hide this building in a city. <laughs> It's it's <laughs> ten times bigger than any other building, and uh, and it gets destroyed. See, but to... like you said, some of the stuff is some of his is believe stuff is a little muddled in here. The color pattern, and everything. But then like this, this this. Oh yeah, that explosion is great. That's awesome. It's beautiful. So there's a woman named Doctor Strand, which is part of Argus, and uh, one of the people that that uh, Steve Trevor's there to kind of get out of the building. And at the end of the book. Uh, you find out that she actually was not killed in the explosion, but teleported away and trying to be recruited by, by Leviathan. Now I immediately thought, huh, she's Leviathan. <laughs> uh, all I got in my head when I read that scene was uh, Fight Club. Oh that, yeah, that right. that she's a dual personality and right. she's having a conversation with herself. And then the other thing is here on the last page when you see Leviathan, he's 
he, she, it, whatever, speaks in uh, plural pronouns. Right. We are Leviathan. Yeah. We did this. Well, that's part of the name, too, yeah. So. I'm just like, I'm just like, I think, I think we're going to find out that, that, you know, the only way to make this a real mystery is to, uh, you know, make you not think it's a certain person. I don't know. Mm. I lost my train of thought there, but I just immediately thought at the end of this issue that she's going to end up being Leviathan. So I'm calling it now. See if I'm right. I don't know if I'm prepared to say she's Leviathan. You do make a compelling argument. I don't know if if she is. If we see more of her in the book, like in this six issue series, mm. like if she's not a minor character, if she becomes a minor character, then all right, whatever. It's not her. Right. But if she becomes a regular character in the book, I mean, it's obviously not going to be Lois Lane. Oh, yeah. And then why did why did she get kidnapped or whatever? Right. But if she ends up being Leviathan, I might be a little disappointed. Well, she's a brand new character. She could end up being awesome. You don't know. True, but I mean, I'd be, I'd be, I'll be disappointed that she ends up being Leviathan. But that's what the the answer ends up being. Yeah. Well, I also feel that they might not. Well, he, I, I think he's come out and said he's gonna. He might. He he's going to answer the question who Leviathan is. Mm. I, I would prefer it if we never found out who Leviathan was. Yeah. And yeah. it would be. It would be like the many years that people read Spider-Man and never knew who Green Goblin was. Right. You know, until right. they revealed it was Norman Osborn. Yep. So, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the mystery villain that we, that, that, that the heroes are always trying to figure out who it is. Mm. So it, I, it's, uh, it's interesting because Leviathan is, um, the motivation behind it as, you know, as you say on this here is they're trying to make, they're at, they in their mind they're trying to make the world a better place. Yeah, Leviathan's not going to be like a maniacal villain that's right. that's rubbing his hands together and like yeah, we're trying not talking to, like Luthor, trying right? to boil the oceans. Oh, that's my plan to boil the ocean so I can make my tea. I, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you try a lake or something first? I mean, you know, it's a little a little excessive you know, boiling the ocean. It's like if you ever want to see like like really elaborate death plans, is this? Just look at anything Cobra Commander tried to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding. Wow. So, what are we going to give this one for a rating? This I'm going to give five. Five out of six. Because, uh, just because of Brian Michael Bendis. Just because of the creative team. Yeah. That's yeah, really it. Yeah. I mean, it's for, for an issue on its own, I have to give it a four. Right. But for my excitement for the series, I'm giving it a five. I'll go along with that. Yeah. And for the same reason, yeah, yeah. I love Ben. It doesn't deserve Bendis. a five as an issue, but it's it, it's 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 the beginning of something I'm very excited for. And it has a potential, yes. Yeah. Okay. So and also it's Bendis doing what Bendis does best. Yes. It's right. like having people stand around in a room and talk at each other for five pages. Yeah. <laughs> and he finally got to do uh, more Batman. So yeah, yeah, pretty much. Which I still wish he he had gone to Batman, but that's well. I think he purposely went to Superman to get out of his wheelhouse, but then right, he very right. quickly was like, "Oh, just make it fit my wheelhouse." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Let's just latch on to Lois Lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, is that all you have? Uh, that's all I have. Yep. All right. I have quite Let's a few books pile. here, so I'm going to try to not take too much time with them. But anyway, my first book is Batman and the Outsiders, number one. Very excited to hear about this book. That was a sigh. I heard a sigh. <laughs> so this is I've I've been I've been a fan of Batman and the Outsiders since its inception. Me too. Many many moons ago. Do you have their first appearance in Brave and the Bold? I don't. Not sure. 
is a brave and a bold book where there's a where DC was doing this like 15 yeah. page introduction right and everyone and one of those one of those was Batman I'm not sure because a lot of my old comics suffered some water damage oh it's too bad I don't want to talk about it it's still painful yeah would be for me too <laughs> oh, I lost some good stuff I had the entire original Rocket Raccoon oh really miniseries yeah that's cool gone yeah gone not the money the money book was a Hulk book. Mm. If you had the Hulk book, that would be sad because that was like the original Mark Rocket Raccoon series is good too though. I remember yeah. reading that many times. Um anyway, so this is a new outsiders team consisting of um Batman, of course. Mm-hmm. Sort of. He's kind of doing the the kind of like, like he was doing a detective where like I'm you know, this is my group, but I'm gonna let you guys kinda yep. do your thing. So, um, and it has Black Lightning, mm-hmm. Signal, who I'm still... Unclear what he does. He detects other metahumans. Yeah, but I'm still, uh, I'm still unclear on how I feel about him. I haven't seen him do anything. I'm not... He's supposed to be the bad, he's supposed to be the bad character that operates during the day. That's why he's yeah, dressed right, in bright yeah, yellow. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still kind of indifferent towards him. I don't dislike him, but I don't. I've never read anything in him that I didn't like, uh, but honestly, he's just kind of a background character for me at this point. Right. He's just like, when Batman calls in the team, he's the signals here. Right. So- So is Blue Jay. Who the hell is Blue Jay? (laughs) (laughs) She's from the Bat team, too. Aren't they all? Um, So, yeah. So, uh, Signal, Black Lightning, who I, you know, I like Black Lightning, Uh, Katana, and- um, um orphan yes yeah you can't have a batman the outsider's book without black lightning or katana right um and i forgot to do the creative team so let me cover that really quickly it is written by brian hill and drawn by dexter soy who i'm not familiar with and veronica gandini does the colors clayton cowles does the like how you said that like oh oh clayton kill does the colors i'm actually i'm very nice i hear his name a lot because um he does quite a bit of lettering so there's there's a um there's another podcast that i host called we be geeks Mm -hmm. and at the glad you heard it (laughs) at the end of the year every year we do the the our own little award thing we call it the weebies i didn't didn't come up with that no mike me that anyway it, it, it works um, but anyway, so so we do, you know, comic books, favorite writer, favorite artist, favorite yeah. colorer, and then favorite letterer. Yeah. And every time, last year when I kept trying to find a letterer, I'd be like, oh, I like the letters in this book. Same person. Oh, this one's good. Same person. Oh, this one's same person. <laughs> so, and his was one of the names I saw quite often. But anyway, but I digress. So, of course, Batman forms his outsiders to, you know... Go outside and <laughs> do stuff, and the whole. Of course, it's a first issue, so the issue, the first issue, is they gotta explain who everybody is and why everybody is part of the team, and then, and then, of course, there's a whole thing where Black Lightning is the field leader, I guess you could call him. Yeah. So, like, like I said, Batman. It's Batman's team, but he's like. Black Lightning, you take it. I got other stuff to do. <laughs> and um, so there's also a whole thing where they're kind of like um, Batman's 
hiding something. He's not telling us something. Something. Oh, they always say that. Whenever Batman puts a group together, they're all very suspicious. Right. There's something he's not telling us, and I don't know if I can trust Batman, yep. even though he's Batman, and we all know that that's how Batman operates. Right, and he's paying, he's paying for this whole thing. Like, Batman is, in and of, of himself, a spy organization. <laughs> yes, he is, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, there's all that. So that, you know, it, it kind of ends with that, and that's where they leave off the first issue. I have the second issue. I haven't didn't he, it. like, um, didn't Batman, like, give Black Lightning, like... A tower or something. Then he like he like yeah, he said, Here's a here's a building in the middle of town. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I mean I wanna check it out. It was I feel not like bad. I read I feel like I read this. It you might have. I did read this. Oh, all right. Well there you go. You could have it was not bad. Well you have a different cover than I do, that's why I wasn't sure. Yeah, I got the variant cover. I mean it's a first issue, so it it suffers from a little bit of the first issue itis as it is. Yeah, every issue, every first issue is a setup, introducing the characters, right, and potentially showing us the bad guy, which is important if you don't know. But for those of us who already are familiar with all these characters and everything, it's like I don't care. Yeah, no, yeah. For those of, all those of us who've been, re- oh, you know what? I didn't read this. I think I read the first five issues, <laughs> the first five first five pages, and that's it. Ah, like I don't know who this dude is. His name is Ishmael, though. Does it right in the back? Mm-hmm. So it's not bad, and it's not—it's not my preferred team. Your preferred team is Geoforce, <laughs> Halo, Geoforce. Halo, Halo, yes, Katana, mm-hmm. Black Lightning, yep. Metamorpho, yes, and Batman. I love Metamorpho. Yep, and Batman. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna have a superpowered character that can do anything, Metamorpho, put him on the team. Mm-hmm. Done. And who knows, maybe he'll show up here someday. But. I guarantee you, once sales start flagging, sagging on that book, they're going to start bringing in, oh my God, why is Geoforce here? Geoforce, where have you been? <laughs> Granted, Geoforce, if you really think about it, could be a little lame, but I like him. <laughs> so this is, this is this is not bad, but it's not, it's not, it's not as exciting to me as I was hoping when, yeah. I, when, when I heard, oh, they're bringing back the Outsiders. I mean, this is... It's you know. it's a difficult book, I think, to to make exciting. Yes, um, right. I feel like the people that would read that book are us mm-hmm. who are, are familiar with the original concept. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to make it exciting for people who have never read Batman: The Outsiders before, uh, then it really has to be. I think it really has to be a a, stri- a Batman strike team, right? Right, and it has to like come out of the gate strong. Yeah, uh, which that didn't do. No, yeah. So, and it fe- it's like, t- instead of Batman and the Outsiders, it feels like Batman and the Gothamites or something. It feels, I like, it feels, like, it feels like Batman and the characters that they need to use to keep the license. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, right now it doesn't feel as worldly. It feels more like Gotham City-ish. Yeah, yeah. Because Batman and the Outsiders should feel worldly. Because the reason why he put the group together to begin with is because he wanted to take the Justice, Batman wanted to take the Justice League into an area of the world that right. that they could not, he could the Justice League couldn't do it because they were mm-hmm. a Justice League of America, and they, they kind of fought. They, they wouldn't do right, it, right? So. They wouldn't do it. So right. Batman's like, "Done. I'm leaving. Taking my guys. We're going. <laughs> We're gonna do it on our own." And they, there has always been tension between them yep. and the Justice League. So I mean, it's not a horrible book, but it's not the Outsiders I was looking for. So if I have to give it a rating, I'll go with a four. Yeah. Could get good, 
You get, a, I mean, unless it's unless the book's terrible, and an okay issue one deserves a four. Right. Right. So I'll give it a chance, and we'll a couple more issues, and we'll see. Yeah. But it didn't. It didn't thrill me as much as I was hoping. Yeah, sounds about right. I would agree with that. Very excited to hear what you have to say about this book. All right, next, Batman: Last Knight on Earth. <laughs> I say that because it's Batman Night. Anyway, so this book is. Uh, we see the return of Scott Snyder on Batman and Greg writing Batman and Greg Capullo on pencils. And it's a black label book. And it's a black label book. Which I think we should talk about that afterwards too. The okay. rebranding of all the DC stuff. Right, yeah. right. I'll put that on the list. All right, so DC black label. There it is. So if part of part of how you feel about this might be Related to how you felt about Snyder and Capullo yep. on Batman? Yes. And I think you know how I felt about it. <laughs> and I think I know how you felt about it. I like I like Greg Capullo as an artist. Yep. He's I, great. I like him on Batman. Me too. Um, Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder has been smoking the pot. <laughs> because. I, like, I liked Scott Snyder on American Vampire when it first started. Yep. That was good. But then I kind of dropped off of that. His Batman run, at first I was digging it, but yes. then after a while. Yes. His Batman run was good. His Death in the Family run was really good. Yeah. I never read Court of Owls. I've heard that's very good. That is good, yes. Um, But kind of, I didn't really enjoy, I didn't hate his other stuff, but I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah. And Metal, I thought was a hot mess. Metal. Oh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was and that's and all of my all of my initial dislike is coming from metal because metal was all I missed. Yeah, so yeah, I I agree with you on that one. But this this issue perfectly encapsulates how I feel about Scott Snyder. To which it starts out really really awesome, and it starts out with um you know bat a Batman thing, and then you know Batman's going after this kid. They rescue him, kid, you know, ends up shooting him and all this stuff. And then wake up later on to find Batman in uh, Arkham Asylum. And I'm sure you've heard the, or seen the, the meme that's out there. What if Batman, what if Batman was really insane and all the villains were. I hadn't seen the meme, but I mean, that's something that they talked about in Batman history for a long time. What right. if he was just crazy this whole time and he's been in Arkham? Right, so that's basically what this what it starts out as mm -hmm. as um he's in Arkham, and everybody's all of the villains are hospital staff and fellow inmates, and they're all like in in bruce it's Bruce Wayne, and he's saying, "Let me out of here, all this other you know I gotta and they're all like, "You're upsetting everybody, we're all you know we're all." We all really like you, and you're calling us all villains and everything, mm -hmm. and you're just really upsetting everybody. So then Alfred comes in, and he's he's saying the same thing, and Alfred, you know, and Bruce Wayne's like, "Not you too, Alfred." <laughs> so, um, see, like that's that's supposed to be Harley Quinn and yeah. all that, and and um, then Batman breaks out. He's in a he's in a padded cell. Oh, I like this is one thing I like. He's in a padded cell here, and he's digging around in the walls, and he finds a toy dinosaur and a penny. Oh, that's awesome! That's actually very that's awesome. That's actually pretty cool. That see, so I'm reading this part. I'm like, oh, that is really cool. Yeah. I'm like, all right, this might be cool. 
And then he breaks out. Um, I'm sorry, he didn't break out yet. Then he has a conversation with Alfred, and he's talking about, bring me the bat suit. So Alfred brings him the bat suit, which is a straitjacket with a, a helmet for when he did, um, when they did electrotherapy on him. Oh, is that what that is? That's what that's supposed to be, yeah. So he brings him the, the straitjacket with the helmet, and he says, this is your bat suit. This is what you think is a bat suit. <laughs> so all of this is going really well. I'm really enjoying this. And then we get to part two. Mm-hmm. The right hand. Yep. The red right hand. So then, yeah. So then it starts with Batman in his straight jacket, and he's beating up everybody, and he's escaping, mm-hmm. and he's running out, and he goes to the top of Arkham, and he climbs up, and he climbs up, and he climbs up, and finally he reaches the top, and Alfred's there, and he says, there's nowhere left for you to go, Bruce. And and Batman says, you know, I know this is, I know this is all bull. I know, you know, this is not real. Show me what you really are. So, of course, Alfred... He has a little holographic image inducer. He shows him, guy. shows him his real self. Alfred is an old man. So what this is, is this wasn't um, Batman in Arkham Asylum. That was all faked. He's in a fake Arkham Asylum. And the truth is they're in the future in a post-apocalyptic world. Oh, I knew that. Come on. Uh, it's obvious. Right? This is... And that's where I was like, oh. <laughs> like this is really cool and then you just went oh you know like, oh and he's carrying joker's head around and for some reason <laughs> the joker's head is in a jar hanging on a light post or whatever yeah a little shepherd's hook and he's still alive so he starts talking to batman and batman's like i'm out of here and joker's like no take me with you come on i'm just a head in a jar so he takes joker with him for some reason and then part three the asylum and then it turns into your typical post-apocalyptic burning through the, you know. Oh, that's cool. Let's there's see what a, there's like, the planet that's Green Lantern Mogo. in the orbit. Yeah, Mogo. The, Mogo? Yeah, Mogo. Yeah. The planet Mogo is dead in the atmosphere. And, um, and so it just becomes the kind of typical, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's some people. So all the Green Lanterns died. Mm-hmm. So all the rings went around to find people. And the people couldn't handle it, so they all went insane. So now there's a group of people with green green lantern rings. That's cool. With who can only create giant babies. <laughs> I mean that's weird, but that's it's cool. Weird, but yeah. Um, and then another one, and then he meets up with some of the old crew, some of the old heroes. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Wonder yeah. Woman's all Mad Max. <laughs> She's Lady Furiosa. Yeah, <laughs> and she tells them, um, she tells him that you know the heroes are all dead, and. Somehow it's his fault, basically. Oh, I see Justice League, um, the Justice League of, uh, not of America, but the Hall of Justice. Yep. And I guess it started with, with Bruce, with uh, Lex Luthor coming on and saying, telling everybody that basically, you know, the heroes are lying to you. Um, he, he starts saying, you know, the world's going to hell, mm-hmm. resources are running out, all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. So everybody starts believing him and they, they go off and they kill everybody, all the heroes and everything. And it's kind of, it's so it kind of becomes like an old man Logan thing mm-hmm. but with Batman. So we have three different stories going on. Yeah, because he's obviously That's not weird. not carrying around the Joker's head in that part, right? But then he is. He leaves. So Wonder Woman tells him, you know, I'm taking the people that I have gathered here mm-hmm. left, and we're going to find a place to 
to live to live and survive and you know you should come with us and batman says that ain't happening i'm gonna fix this so he goes off on his own with the joker head to try and fix it oh so he does have the joker head well it seems very interesting it is it's interesting but it's i also- almost bought this like I, I knowing how i feel about about scotch Snyder's writing i was like eh I think I should try it. I think it's sold out in the store. Yeah, I think it's sold out in the store, which we were expecting. And Greg Capullo's art, I, think you I, guys I like put his. It in my box. That's why we got yeah. it. His is art funny. is so good. His yes. art reminds me of. Um, this is probably a lot of hate for me saying this, but his art to me is I like a, is like a very clean. <laughs> it's like a very clean, very good Todd McFarlane, which is exactly why he was on Spawn. Yeah, but like Todd McFarlane had a style. Yes. Okay. But he was out of control. Yes. That is tight. And that is like that style, yes. but that is tight. So. And that is why Greg Capullo was so great on Spawn for all. He was on Spawn, right? Yes. He yeah. Was. That's where he, that's where he, I don't know if that's where he started, but that's where he first hit yeah. big was on Spawn. He did that for a long time and he was great. Yeah. Spawn too. There's a few, there's some Marvel stuff. I'd love to see him on too. Yeah. I think I would too. Um, so basically, that book it started off was where I was really loving the what was going on, mm-hmm. and then it kind of went a little sideways for me. And I'm like, well, this is just you know I've read this story a million times, but by the end of it, I was like, mm, okay, I'm on board. I'll give it, you know, I'll yeah. give it a it's go. Probably only three issues, so who knows? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Um, so overall, that's a tricky one. Uh, yeah, I'll go with four. Oh, I thought you were going to give it a five. Not quite a five. Like I said, because I was loving it. Yeah. And then I was like, eh. And I was like, You eh. pulled the rig out from under you. Yeah. Kind You're of like, of I love it. Ah, it's crap. And then you changed it. <laughs> but I didn't want you to change it. Yeah, maybe I'll go like a four and a half, maybe. Four and a fractured stone. <laughs> yeah, four and a fractured. I like that. Okay. Or four and a soul stone. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The soul stone is going to be for the ones that we just don't quite no, get. <laughs> actually, this would be four and a mind stone because oh. it started off, It because in my head it's going all over the place. So. <laughs> all right, all right so that's, I can see that. There you go. Good review. Now I have two issues of Batman. And the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I love that book. book so three. good. This third series is so good. Uh, it is so good. So this one, this one's really cool. Where it starts out in a um, like a combined universe, like a alternate reality. Yes, with a rewritten history where Batman and the Turtles form together. Yes, they're a family under they, Splinter. Yeah. So as much as the Turtles always, always, always say that they're family and rely on the family dynamic they bring batman onto that right and it's and he's basically a brother and of course batman you know the bat family and everything so yeah it works now and splinter is alfred yes and yeah a father figure but he's alfred and a father figure now before we continue uh creative team the uh written by james tinney in the fourth Art by Freddie E. Williams II, mm-hmm. who's awesome, with Kevin Eastman. Mm-hmm. And you know exactly, you can tell exactly where it's Kevin oh, yeah. Eastman. Yep. Um, uh, colors, Jeremy Caldwell. Letters, Tom Napolitano. That's the same creative team that's done all of them so far. Yes. And, and they, um, they also worked on, they also did um, 
Injustice versus Masters Universe. If you didn't read that, that oh, was really I didn't good. Read that. I yeah. wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love everything about this book. Book is so good. I love the art. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I love, I love the story. I yeah. love the way it happens. It starts off with Krang. It starts off with red skies in the sky, yes. which is kind of like a alluding to the fact that this is a crisis homage. Yes. And um, and you see Batman in kind of a ninja fight. Yeah, different a different a different version of a suit. It's more ba- it's still a cape with it's still Batman, but it's kind of like it fit, it's different. It fits in more with yeah. the aesthetic of the turtles. Yeah. And I like the bat the bat symbols like spray painted on. Yeah. Um and so it starts off with with you know and they fight um Joker and Harley Quinn. Uh the Joker and- is in charge of the Laughing Gang. Is that what it is? Or the Laughing it's like they're uh, they're like the, they're like I the foot. So. The Joker is replacing Shredder, right. and his people are refla- are replacing the foot. The Smile Clan, yeah, Smile Clan. So you got Harley Quinn, but then you also have um like Bebop and Rocksteady, but they're Bebop is is combined with uh, Clayface. It looks like it. No, yeah. no, Rocksteady is the Rhino, right? So rocks, yeah, Rocksteady's a rhino. Sure. We'll so Rock Rocksteady's combined with Clayface, and Bebop is combined with who? Who is he combined? It looks with? like Killer Croc to me. Yeah, probably. And then, and then the Joker. I love this. It's it's a uh, it's like the Shredder, but then he has like a, a half mask that he wears over yep. his mouth. That's a big smile. Yeah, I I love that. Yep. Design. Me too. Yep. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, you know, they fight them and everything, and, and um, the turtles are a little, like, I like Raphael. He's the got, turtles are DC-fied. Yeah, they're DC-fied, and he's, uh, I love how Raphael has the more of the Robin-like R. Oh, yeah, right, he's, yeah, well, is he Robin or is he Red Hood? I think he's Red Hood. Yeah. Um, so each of, the, each of the turtles is kind of, is kind of like, matched up with uh, a member of the Bat family, right. in a way. Which I, I'm loving all that. Yeah. Like Donatello. Yeah, Donatello. Oh, yeah. Guy, Donatello, who would he be? You guess Donatello would have to be Tim uh, Tim Drake because yeah. he's got the bow, the bow staff. Yeah, it looks like it. And it was that Michelangelo is, is teamed up with uh, is teamed up with Damien? Damien. Yeah. It looks like, yeah. Um, and Leonardo. Who would Leonardo be? I'm not sure. And then here they have Deadshot and I'm not sure. Showing to me, I know. Where is he? Right down here. Uh, yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it could just be a ninja fight, um, dead shot, but yeah, I think yeah it's see, there's Leonardo, and I, mm, uh, you know what? The only person I could think of is would be Dick Grayson, so yeah, would have to say Leonardo would be Dick Grayson, but I think be, that's yeah. a, I think that's a bit of a stretch on that one. Mm, well, only that he's more of the, they're both the older, and that would be the, the four turtles, and there are four, there are four Robins, more or less. Right. Basically, yeah. So there's a really great fight and everything, and Jim Gordon's still Jim Gordon, mm-hmm. and uh, and then you they get to the turtle lair slash bat cave, yep. which I love. Yep, that's awesome. And um, you know they're they're doing their thing in there, and there's Master Alfred Splinter. Mm-hmm. I love it, and he's talking to Bruce, and you know they kind of go into a little bit of of exposition about his past yeah you find out you find out about what they're what they're like and you know obviously they do what the turtles do like when they go when they need advice master splinter shows up and gives the advice and that's kind of what that is and they covered i don't remember if it was in this issue or the second issue but they covered the backstory where basically batman's parents still get killed that's that's in this issue the second second issue issue, yeah Yeah. 
Batman's parents still get killed, but then at the same time is when the turtles get mutated. Yeah. So Splinter takes on uh, young Bruce Wayne as well. Yeah. But then as all this is going on, then we have an appearance of a black and white version of Raphael. I love it. I love it. It's the first turtles. Whenever they show the first yes. turtles, they're they're in black and white. And there's yes. only a couple times they've done this. I don't know if you saw the anniversary animated movie that they did about maybe four years ago. No, I didn't. And it's essentially Crisis of Earth, but without the DC part of it. Right. So they have to go and gather all the turtles from all the all the different alternate realities. So you have the oh. uh, you have the the eighties the eighties turtles, right? The nineties turtles. The 2000s Turtles, right. and the very last group that they team up with is they get shunted into the black and white universe, and they meet the first Turtles, and they're drawn just like this. Oh, Everything's in black and white. It's awesome. And they're like, like they're totally like gritty and uh, giving like the exp- exposition like on the rooftop, and like the, the original and they're, and they're, yeah, and they're making fun of them for they're making fun of the other Turtles for eating pizza. It's like, why do you have pizza? <laughs> <laughs> so and, essentially, it, that's it's the first Turtles, which are great. And that is Kevin Eastman. Yeah, love it, love it. And you find out that there is that 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 there is a uh, a multiversal danger. And we see the villain of oh, the yeah. of the story, which is Krang, teamed up with, uh, teamed up with the um, the Anti Monitor. Yes. So it's a it's a giant Anti Monitor with a giant Krang in the belly. <laughs> <laughs> and that sold me. I was like, all right, you know what? I might not have enjoyed the 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 the, the second Turtles book, but. I have to get this one, and oh, then yeah. issue two. Issue two is even better because yes. you because you find you find out that not only are the original turtles like in danger with Krang, but they have the first Batman, yes. <laughs> the oh. Silver Age Batman. I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So this is oh, this is good stuff, and um, it's six issues, which is cool. Yeah. And I am looking forward to the rest of this so much. Yeah, it's gonna be really good. Uh, so. Um, rating. I gotta give this a six. Oh yeah, six I would definitely. Stones. Yeah, I mean uh, the first two issues were just really, really fun. This is a hundred percent right up my alley. Yeah, just oh yeah, I just love it. Yeah, I agree. Oh, good one. All right, so next up, I have. I want to hear about this too. Star Wars Tie Fighter mm-hmm. issue one and two. This is interesting. It's a um, it's a story about a Tie Fighter squadron. Hence the name. TIE Fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, it is written by Jody Hauser and drawn by Roger Antonio mm-hmm. and Michael Dowling. Color by Era Frianto and Lee Lubridge. And VC's Joe Caramanga does the lettering, who uh, I actually know a little bit. He's a friend of Weeby Geeks. That's cool. Yeah. I think he's going to... Is he? Was he going to be at Plastic City this year? I don't know. I I, I, I don't know who's on the guest list, but anyway, so this is this is a cool, I always like one thing I love about Star Wars is when they do, especially the comics, is when they they do stories that take a that pull away from the main saga. Mm-hmm. I love that about Star Wars comics. Yeah, I agree with that. And this this is exactly what this is. It's a cool story about a squadron of Tie Fighter pilots, two at least two of which, maybe more. I don't know if it's a whole squadron, but at least two of them were in the Han Solo Imperial Cadet book. Okay. 
So they were the squadron that was with Han Solo before he got kicked out of the Empire. And it's it's a pretty good story um, about this squadron and uh, and um, going after the rebels and stuff. And um, it just I enjoy it. It's a good it's good stuff. Like I said, I like I like these little stories. That veer off from the main saga. Yeah, they're always fun and interesting. It kind of makes the it makes the universe feel fuller. Um, yeah. Aside from the you know the original trilogy, focused so much on on the Skywalker story and right. and and the high end like destroy the Empire right. and everything else. I mean, this, this Empire has been in business for generations. So, right. and the other thing about it is is because this is focusing on these Tie Fighter pilots. You get to see their view. And they're not clones. Right. I like that, too, because the clones, mm-hmm. obviously, you can still tell these kind of stories with clones because they did it in the Clone Wars. Right, you could. But, but... It's, it's when they're dealing with people that are recruited. Right. And feel that they, they're really, and they feel like they're on the right side. Right. Yeah. So you see that not everybody in the Empire is, is you know, a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these guys just want to fly TIE fighters. Right. That's basically it. Yep. And they, you know, that's what they do. But it's fun. It's good. It's five issues, I think. Um, so I'll give this one a five. Cool. Good. It's fun. It's worth reading. Yeah, check I'll check. Out. I'll read those. I'm still trying to get caught up in my Star Wars comics anyway. I'm still like in year one, year one of uh, oh, yeah. Star Wars. I'm at, I'm behind on the main book too, but the issue 68 switches to Greg Park, so I might just skip ahead to that and mm-hmm. go back and read the other stuff when I get a chance to. But anyway, uh, next up is black cat. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, this is from Marvel. Is that ongoing? Must be. I think so. I'm Sometimes sure. they don't even, they don't even advertise it nowadays on the covers. Most of the time I, I don't know. know until I ring it up. When yeah. I ring it up, it'll say one of four or something like that. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if you look in, in the previews or wherever, it'll say one of, and this is where is the credits? There we go. This is written by, wait, that's the backup. There's a couple of backups. All right, here we go. This is written by Jed McKay, who I'm not familiar with. Never heard of him. Uh, The artist is Travel Foreman, who I like. Color artist is Brian Reber. Letterers are Ferran Delgado. Um, I have a little disappointed that you only had at the store that when I went to the store, there was only the variant cover left. Oh, yeah, that was the, uh, the, the, not the live one. It was a. the black cat from the video game. That was that cover. That was very nice. Yes. But the main cover was J. Scott Campbell, who I love. Um, so I didn't get that, but that's right. Um, so this is basically a story about the black cat, and she has two guys with her for her crew. And it's, you know, it's a little bit of a heist story. And it's it's current. It takes place in current continuity. So, she, you know, um, she was... It was kind of a, there was a thing I wasn't sure how I felt about it, but in the main Spider-Man book for a while there, she went like super villain because she yeah. was mad at Spider-Man yeah. because of the whole having her memory erased thing. I don't know about the memory eraser, but I I do know that I didn't like when she went full on super yeah. villain. She was upset because so she used to know Peter Parker was Spider-Man, and then the um oh when the whole world was made to forget. She, yes. Okay. Brand new day is that what yeah. it was? Yeah. She forgot too, but she still felt like she still felt like the memory was mm-hmm. like there was something that she should know that. So she ended up just, you know, getting all upset and becoming super bad. And yeah, I didn't like that. But this is more her, 
being kind of fun and and carefree and and uh it was fun it was a fun book yeah. it's kind of a different thing you know more of a heist book so i enjoyed it i'd say um i'm definitely going to check out more of it yep i i like the black cat in general i give it uh, uh for a first issue i'll give it a 5 5 i Not enjoyed bad. it i enjoyed it and i think there's some potential here I'm looking forward to reading. I like more. the I like the fact that the black fox shows up at the end. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and and um, there's a back there's a um a, a backstory in the back of the book about the black fox. That's cool. I can't believe you got this book. Right, I think that's gonna have some fun. Yes. So I read about it and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So this is a book image put out and it's called Gogor. G O G R. G-O-G-O-R. Excuse me. Excuse me. It is created, written, drawn, colored, and lettered by Ken Gehring. Oh, he does all of it. All of it. And this is this is a crazy alternate universe, not not fully explained. Like it doesn't it doesn't start out with this is this universe and this is what happens here. It starts out, bam. First page right into the action. Yeah. And you slowly get some details. Like it starts out with this the main character is riding a shrew. Mm-hmm. And he's being chased by a couple of guys on uh ants. Or no, those are ants. From here like ants. And then there's a couple other ones on like flies or something. But anyway, um so it just starts out with action with him running away from these guys and he's you know, you slowly get little little um snippets of what's going mm-hmm. on. But it totally makes sense what's going on, and as long as you don't try to figure out the world, <laughs> you're good to it, go. Let it slowly get piece. Yeah. You know the pieces come to you. Um, I read this first issue and I loved it instantly. I read the second issue, loved it. Really, I love it. This is good stuff. There are a couple of people on the store that came in and bought it, and all I could think of was was uh, uh, Roger Corman. Is there a guy called Roger Corman yes. as an artist? As an artist? Yeah. Roger Corman's a director. Yeah, who's a producer? There's a Corman that's a that's an artist too. He's a guy that did Den. Oh right, is that Roger Corman? Anyway, when I when anyway. I see a name like Gogor, I think oh, it's a book that he does because oh yeah yeah I can see this being in like heavy metal. It's not as adult as some yeah. of that stuff, but but I just I was instantly hooked on it and I loved it. Yeah, the art's not ex- at all what I expected it to be. I didn't even pick it up off the shelf. Yeah. It's fantastical. It's it's a lot of you know. It's it's like it's like the the kind of stuff I used to love as a kid. You know, um, just crazy fantasy stuff. That yeah, doesn't, it's that, all over the place. It's and it cool, doesn't though. over. It doesn't. It barely explains everything. So you just go with it, and you're like, okay. And that's that's Gogor, the the big, giant. Yeah, he's not like a giant. He's like he's a huge guy, like a Hulk sized guy. He looks like a giant, but like like he'd be ten feet tall, but he's not that tall. It's pretty cool. And I, I, I'm very happy with this. I'm going to read more of this. I put it on my sub list. Yeah, I've had other people asking about the book, it. too. So I, And this, I'm going to give this one a six. Ooh, That's bam. how much I enjoyed it. This is a six. One, one away from a full gauntlet. If, if you like if you like create fantasy stuff, yeah. definitely read that one. That's cool. All right, now this one. Hate it. These two books I wanted to talk to you about because I know you had feelings. <laughs> so this is Heroes in Crisis. Number eight and number nine, the final issues, where we find out what's going on. And this is, of course, Tom King and um, Mitch Gerard's, Gerard's, 
whatever. Yeah. The artist. It's a good team. Good writer, good artist. Good writer, good artist. But I was not happy with that ending. I was displeased. So I remember last, was it last episode we, we recorded? You had told me, or was it at this? All right. At some point you had told me about issue number eight. Yeah. They revealed the killer. You were not happy. Right. And I was like, oh boy. So then I read the killer. And you weren't happy. It, and I'm, I think I might feel differently than you. I, I'm not happy, but perhaps maybe not for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Or maybe for the same reasons, I don't know. So let's discuss it. I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm a I'm a, I'm a long term fan of uh, of of Kid Flash. Right. So I mean, ever since I was a kid, I'm not. I preferred so. Kid Flash over Flash all day long. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm not. So that that wasn't that so, wasn't. I wasn't upset on that level. And and, and as as far as uh, as far as DC goes, to me, Kid Flash is kind of like all the people who grew up reading Spider Man. Like he was a kid, and then they grew up reading Spider Man. Right. So for me, it was like Kid Flash, and I grew up reading Flash. Well, not Flash, but DC in general. Whenever he showed up, I was like, "That's my guy." Sure, sure, I get it. So I mean, as I was reading Heroes of Crisis, and it was becoming more and more apparent that it, they were setting up him to be the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, and I was hoping that they that wasn't going to be the case because yeah, he was still technically too. dead. Yeah. And then when they revealed he was not the bad guy, he's see, this is the thing. I I like how it was an accident. Yeah. But I don't like how he covered it up. Yes. I right. agree with that. Yep. I also don't. I mean, I can see how he got so depressed to the point where he wanted to kill himself. So, but instead of killing himself, he just goes, it, it does a DC thing. And he's like, I'm going to run to the future and have my, have my future self kill me. And yeah, I was like, what? I, yeah. Uh, that's just silly. Yeah. Um, and, and they use time in issue nine, they use time travel to fix it all again. Uh, of course. Time travel shenanigans all day long. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Like, I like time travel when it's done smart. Right. And I hate it when it's done in a way that it just kind of retroactively removes everything you just read and all that stuff. So. Yeah. It, it's, it, it feels like in this case, it feels like, all right, so all this stuff happens. How are we going to fix it? Time travel. Right. And now he's, he's around. So Kid Flash is not dead. Um, many of those people are still dead. Um, they can't go back. They can apparently use time travel to save him, but they can't use time travel to save the people they killed because that would just be too much. Apparently they explain it in issue nine, why they can't do it. Yeah. Um, which is how I felt when I was reading. I was like, yeah, whatever. So I've already washed this out of my mind. I don't even remember half the things I was angry about, but I do know that he's alive right now and that they're doing a mini series called flash forward. That's going to kind of focus on him. Um, and I also feel like I have no evidence of this, but I feel like there's a chance that maybe they might stick him on the Legion of Superheroes. Hmm. Because what do you got to do with him? Hmm. You can't have multiple flashes running around. You can, but they don't know what to do with them. Right. But if they take him out of this timeline and they drop him into the future and have him run around and adventure with Legion of Superheroes, yeah. then it doesn't impact anything. So, And maybe it's just me, but I felt, by the end of it, I felt like I didn't, no. What was going on? Yeah, but more than that, I felt like I didn't know what to take from it. Like, I don't, like, not not quite, like, why is, why, what is the point? Sanctuary is still set up. Right. Sanctuary is still running. Right. The world knows of Sanctuary. Right. Which, okay, I mean, I get it. Sanctuary makes sense. Sanctuary is not a secret anymore. Right. It makes sense to have, you know, a place where these heroes can go. And, right. You know. It's not what you're going to do, go to a regular therapist and right. say, hey, you know, I, 
I uh I punched through a guy's chest today. That was that was kind of messed up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the therapist is like, yeah, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel like like by when it was finished, I didn't feel like uh uh you know you read something you finish and you're like ah ah all nicely done and yeah you didn't feel like you really got anything out of it yeah right yes right. yes that's what it is that's what yeah. I'm trying to say yeah I agree with that because I don't think I don't think anybody got anything out of that yeah um it doesn't feel like an event it nope. doesn't feel like um it doesn't feel like a rebirth it doesn't feel like much yeah. it doesn't feel like any characters have made any major, major headway right um uh they made a change to poison ivy that's it yeah um and not that, even like a really good one she's know, apparently just... she's apparently naked all the time now so that's basically it so. yeah, but she's also more of a plant <laughs> yeah she's a plant thing so it's like hey she's naked but she's a plant yeah mm. so i don't know i was disappointed with it i agree oh, well, i i think it's i think it kind of fell apart i think it started out kind of strong and it fell apart <clears throat> at the yeah. end yeah i agree uh i think i'll skip this one mm-hmm. unless you really want to hear about it what is it silver surfer black i didn't like it i didn't yeah i didn't like it either Silver Surfer Black. All right, I'll just go real quickly. Um, Donny Cates, Trad Moore, story and art. It takes place after, if you read Guardians of the Galaxy, there was a whole thing with a Black Order sent a bunch of the gathered characters into a black hole. Mm-hmm. It happens in the black hole, right? Yes. Yeah. So this story is Silver Surfer. It takes place in the black hole, and about two-thirds of the book is just... A rehash of the Silver Surfer. Yep. Of his story. Yep. And the art's weird. And the art's kind of weird. And not like a good weird. But the big thing is that he meets up with the symbiote god, right? Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, just, yeah. So it's... So I just don't know if he's got a symbiote attached to him or not now, or what's going on. But I don't. I also don't like symbiotes. So. Yeah. And I don't like this whole symbiote god thing. Mm-hmm. Which, so... Yeah. Next, another disappointing one. A one? I'll go with it. I'll give it a two because oh, it is a so Silver nice. Surfer. I still like the Silver Surfer, but yeah. <clears throat> I never liked the Silver Surfer. I, I like him, but I don't like him. Like uh, I liked his, I liked his nineties run. See, I've really enjoyed the Dan Slot run. Oh, yes. Yeah. With, with um um uh brain fart art artist. The guy who drew Madman. Madman, mm-hmm. yeah. Holy crap! I can't remember his name. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I really liked that run. That was a fun run. Mm-hmm. It was good stuff. Um, but that I'm not. I'll probably still read it. It's since it's a mini series. Yeah. See if it, the next issue gets better. But I'm not really. I know some people in the store excited about it, but I just it sold out. But it was only because I think we had five copies in the store. Yeah. Donnie Cates is another writer who I'm kind of eh, up miss. and down on. Yeah. He wrote um, Cosmic Ghost Rider, right? Right. Yeah. I know a lot of people like that too. I like Cosmic Scope. Ghost Rider, but what is Venom stuff I wasn't enjoying, so I kind of dropped off that one. Anyway, um, next up, we have another image book. It's called Sonata. And I bought is, it, but I haven't read it. This is another kind of crazy fantasy book where they, they it's in a different world and they explain it mostly. It all makes sense. Story is David Hine and Brian Haberlin. Art is Brian Haberlin and the art is gorgeous. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's an interesting story, and um, it it's uh, it's about this planet where there's it's it gets colonized by other planets when the orbit gets close enough. 
they can travel to this planet. So there's some different um, colonies, you know, fighting each other for mm-hmm. resources and stuff. And there's, of course, the generic bad guys who are like, we're going to take everything and screw you mm-hmm. and all that. But it works. I enjoyed it. Um, what's interesting is at the end of the book, it kind of changes a little because the main character stumbles upon this ancient temple kind of thing. So um, I liked it. Yeah, it looks great. I grabbed it off the shelf just like you did, and I haven't. It's 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 near the top of my pile, but the art's ah, the art's so good in this book. It is, it is. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a four on that one. It was good. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes with it. Um, I like good sci-fi too. Yes, yeah, I do too. So it looks really interesting. Seems like uh, Image is really doing a good good job, like putting out just yeah. different books in yeah, general. They really are. Um, next book I have is also an image book. I read that. And this one is, um, it's the ride burning desire and the ride has been around, uh, 15 years now. Has it? According to this cover here, 15 years of the ride. Huh? So this, this is, um, first a warning. This is more of an adult mm-hmm. orientated book. Definitely for mature readers. Um, the story is by Doug Wagner, art is by Daniel Hill, Hilliard and Adam Hughes, and I, part of the reason I bought it is even just for the cover, I yeah. am a huge, huge fan of Adam Hughes. Everybody loves Adam Hughes. I He's will amazing. Buy, I will buy books just... Yeah, that's why I bought it. Just I love the cover, yeah. and I was like, oh, Adam Hughes worked on this book, so I read it. Yep. I read it, I read it this morning. The, for the first the first story I thought was pretty good. It was a nice setup for something. Yes. I don't know what it's setting up, pretty but it's good, set up yeah. for something. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's very much a crime book. It is. It's very much a crime book. Um, basically, it kind of it kind of the book kind of in. The, I don't know if this is the whole series or just this particular point, but it it does seem to revolve around the ride, which is the car. Oh yeah, see, I didn't even put that together. Yeah. So the first story in there is about a woman that was a cop at one point and had committed, had for some reason had been put in jail, mm-hmm. and for a crime that she either committed or didn't commit. Right. And when she's got out, she started. She got a job as a bouncer at a dance exotic dance club. Yes, but not a strip club. But not a strip club. They don't take their clothes. They off. don't take their clothes off. They but they wear they weird costumes. Weird they wear costumes. strange costumes. Um. And some dudes come in, they get rowdy. Um, she has to bounce them. Mm-hmm. And the cops show up, and it's a cop that she has a history with. Yes. Who assumes that she started the fight, even though she didn't, and he clobbers her and takes her to jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which case, she meets uh, a police chief she also has a history with. Yep. Basically gives her an ultimatum. Don't screw up. I'm going to throw your ass right back in jail. Right. And then when she gets out, she bumps into somebody who, again, she must have just gotten out of jail based on how this reads. I think so. Because um, she's got an ankle bracelet on. I get the feeling that this... And she's given a car. This character has been covered before. Maybe. Possibly in previous... 15 years of a ride. Yeah. So, but it still, it makes sense. It, they explain it enough. So the first story feels like a very tame Sin City. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. The second story seems like a very intense Sin City. (laughs) Now, the second story is called Sparkles, (laughs) and it is written by Doug Wagner in art by Adam Hughes. Yeah. So this is is the the best part of it. 
And yeah, it's, it's a got the, shorter story. It's but. a short story. It's violent. It's got a lot of strong sexual imagery in it. Yeah, and it's just it's just yeah, it does. it's just weird. Like it's like, very weird. Like oh my god, it's just the. To, to even think that someone just has a shed in their backyard <laughs> full of these things. Full of marital aids. Oh, yeah. Something <laughs> else. So this story is a guy that, like, I, I think they're cops, too, aren't they cops? I think they, yeah, they, I believe they are. Yeah, so these these three cops show up at this, at this house and are demanding entrance, and the woman at the door won't let him in. And you find out, I think it's the older sister of somebody. Yes. Of, of her older sister or something. Yeah. And the cops have busted the door and taser. <laughs> And when she wakes up, she's totally naked in a in a in a sex dungeon, and these dudes are gonna go and do some things. Yeah, you can hear them talking yeah. outside this this shed. Uh, but she wakes up in time, and she doesn't have anything to wear. But apparently, there's a sex uh, furry costume. Uh, yes, a unicorn, a furry costume. Yes, that she a puts pink, on a pink unicorn. And then she just grabs all these dildos and these other things, and she kills. Those dudes. She, <laughs> she, she kills the them. Dickens out of them. Like it's bloody. There's that guy's head splayed right open. Yes. Um, but then you find out that her younger sister or somebody that is her that she's calling a sister. Um, because they're still on the property or somewhat close to the property that she was taken from. Yes. Um, she comes out with her kid and the kid goes, Look, a unicorn. Uh, there was actually it was two kids. No, two kids. Two and she's like, Don't take them out of here. And um uh, yeah. she finishes off those dudes. And and then takes off. <laughs> this image here, the the blood splattered yeah, unicorn. The unicorn is just covered in gore. Uh, but I, I read that. And I was just like, oh my god, what the I heck know. am I reading? What's, like, what just this happened? Is, this is insane. <laughs> but it but it was fun. It was yeah. a fun read. And then the back of the book has you know the little history of the fifteen years of the ride and stuff. See, I, I didn't read that. I didn't, I didn't read, read that. All yeah. of that. I read this page here, but I didn't read the interviews here. But anyway, um. Crazy book. Yeah. Fun book. Adam Hughes keeps drawing it, and I'll keep reading it. Adam Hughes, exactly. That is exactly it. Well, Adam Hughes can't do a book for more than two issues. Yeah. Uh, that's the problem. I love Adam Hughes. He did. He, he, can't, he, he can't. He did Betty and Veronica, and they really, they really like advertised that. Like, Betty and oh, Veronica, yeah. and he got yeah. two issues in, and then that was it. Yeah. Just disappeared off the shelves. Yeah. Big surprise. Mm -hmm. But that one, I don't know, what do you think? That it was for a crime book. It was really good. I mean, obviously, it, it, had, the, it had the intended effect on me psychologically, yes, where I was just like, "What the hell? Yep. What's, what's going on?" So it wasn't. It wasn't just a throwaway book. Yeah, I liked it. I read it. I think I would give it a five. I think so too. Yeah, easy. Yeah, definitely. Five gems. Definitely all right, so we're nearing the end here. I know this has been a long one, but I want to hear all about this. I mean, I was going to try and read that this morning, but I was like, I'm not going to have time to read that. So, all right, this is from IDW. It is Transformers. Ghostbusters, just the way it's written. Transformers slash Ghostbusters. And it was written by Eric Burnham. Art by Dan Sconing. Sh um, colors by Luis Antonio Delgado. Letters by Tom B. Long. B. Long. I like the art. The art's really good in this book. Oh. Oh. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. I agree with you halfway. Okay. The Transformers art. Is phenomenal. Look at that Megatron. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, however, the Ghostbusters part, I not digging. They look like they, this is a, this, the same art style that it was in the comic. And I don't like it. Oh, okay. I get it. It's way too 
cartoony. Yeah, I mean, they are very much a cartoon. I mean, they're just like and it's not weird like, shaped heads, and it's not like the cartoon Ghostbusters cartoon cartoon. That's correct. They're not it's, like that at all. I didn't, and and it was very jarring for me for to get to to do the the Transformers part and really love that, mm-hmm. and then hit the Ghostbusters part and be like, ooh, that's. Yeah. I haven't read any Ghostbusters comics, but I've I I've seen either. them. I've I put them on the shelf, and I recognize the, the art style as being consistent with the way that they've done the comic in the past. Mm. Yeah, but I just I didn't care for that for that part of it. Now the story is kind of the same thing. The Transformers part I loved. So it starts off with the you know the war in Cybertron. Autobots leave. Decepticons are going to follow the Autobots, but they can't because. Somebody appears on Cybertron to stop them because they want to destroy Cybertron. And it just happens to be a ghostly being with two ghostly type dogs. Oh! Ah. Yes. I get it now. So it's, 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 um. Well, it's it calls, Zool. It calls itself, it just calls itself the Traveler. Zool. Yes. But it's, it's the dogs and, and the. The, the gatekeeper. Tra- the gatekeepers, the keymaster from from Ghostbusters, but as robots. Yep, which is kind of cool. I wonder, I, what, they, wonder what they transform into. I kind, I don't think they do, but I kind of dug it. I was like, oh, that's, I, I'm like, I might that's, not, I might not have put that together. That's a brilliant idea. So then they come, you know, and then she attacks, and she's like, I am, you know, I'm gonna destroy Cybertron, and I love this. So Megatron's like, um, Megatron's like. So the Decepticons all arguing about, oh, what are we going to do? And Starscream's being Starscream. Megatron's like, I'll take care of this. So he goes up to talk to the Traveler. And one of the dogs comes after him, runs after him, and is going to attack him. And he just smacks the dog away. (laughs) (laughs) That's Megatron. (laughs) So then they go, you know, he talks to the Traveler. And they go through the whole spiel of, I'm going to destroy Cybertron. And you must choose the form. That Gozer's gonna oh, take. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so of course, you know, a second later, you hear, "Oh, the form has been chosen," and Megatron's like, "What? I didn't. Who? What?" So then, instead of the Stay Puff, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, you hear Starscream going, "I couldn't help it. It was just a momentary thought. It just popped in my head. It's a giant Starscream with the crown." <laughs> And he's got the heads of Optimus Prime and Megatron, and he's got the Matrix around his chest. So that's awesome. So he destroys Cybertron, and then it just skips to a, a page that just says Cybertron was destroyed, and the Decepticons along with it. So then we skip to a thousand years later. Yep. Um, which is a little. It's always weird the time the time frames. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But you just, I try you to just, ignore that. You the, just the, go with it. When I when I when, when before they did the soft reboot or the hard reboot for the Transformers <laughs> in the comics, I went on their wiki page to read the mm. the, the timeline, and I'm like, mm. "Whoa, this is very confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is very confusing." Mm-hmm. That's why they had to do the hard reboot because <laughs> like like this is this has become a bit of a mess. So, um, but then. Um, so we go on the ship and there's a, there's the, I don't know if you saw it. They actually have a toy for it. Um, it's the Ecto one yeah. as a transformer. They made a toy for it. They made it. They I, 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 I reckon, I recognize it as being a, a, a ghostbuster. Cause I he's got the, I think, I don't know. It's like a special order or something. It's like an exclusive. That's cool. It's probably a comic con exclusive or some shit. I don't know. It's, it's not in stores, but yeah. they did make it. But anyway, so he comes and, um, he's, he's detecting a strange anomaly so he starts out 
what's funny is um bumblebee comes and he's he calls him ek yeah he's like hey ek you know ek to, ek to yeah. yeah but he goes he says it's Ectronomous dia diametron bumblebee uh, he said, I worked hard for my title. You could at least respect that. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so they call him Ek. But his title's, you know, Ectronomous, whatever. So we tell, and he, the only thing I don't like about him is they did a weird thing where they put like a thing across his nose, yeah, yeah. which looks weird. Yeah. It just looks, but of course I love, he's got the, the, the ray, goggles, the red yeah. goggles. Yeah. And, um, so he tells Optimus, Hey, there's this weird anomaly. And, um, it's, um, you know, it's a weird thing on this planet called Earth, and, uh, you know, we should go check it out. And Optimus says, mm, yeah, we should go check it out, but uh, we're busy, so why don't you go check it out? <laughs> let's just get rid of this dude. So he sends him to Earth, he sends him to Earth, and that's where we meet up with the Ghostbusters, the ugly Ghostbusters, who are fighting a monster, a, a ghost, big-ass ghost, and the Ecto-1 somehow is in a giant pothole i assume created by the ghost i don't mm -hmm. know so um ek does this thing where he flies you know the oh he scans it he yeah. scans the ecto-1 so it becomes the ecto-1 and then the ghostbusters fight the ghost and they're going back to the car and they're like hey wait a minute ecto-1's there but it was there and then ray goes over and he sees hey ecto-1's still in the, the pothole so what is that and then the ghost of Starscream appears and says, get out of the way, humans. I need to talk to the Autobot. And they're like, what's an Autobot? So then they trap the ghost of Starscream. That's awesome. <laughs> that is actually awesome, yes. Um, and then they're like, what is he talking about? What's an Autobot he needs to talk to? So then, of course. He transforms. He transforms. And he he's says, like, hey, oh, guys. That, that's, uh, he's talking about me there. And then to be continued. That's cool. So. Um, it looks like a fun read. It it is a fun read. Interestingly, I didn't even realize, but both Transformers and Ghostbusters thirty fifth anniversary. Oh, that's cool. That'll make you fun. Oh yeah. But yes, um, overall, it's it's a fun read, and it's it's Transformers Ghostbusters. So right there, you can't. You just got to go with. Yeah, it. you don't take it seriously. You're like, whatever, okay, yeah. you know. Yeah. It was my phone. You're like, you're like, okay, this, you know, that's ridiculous, but eh, whatever, you know, giant star scream. That's eh, why not? It's fun. It's part of the fun. Yeah. So. Um, it is fun, and I'm going to read the rest of it. I'm not sure how many issues that is. 18. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's five, but I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, probably. Um, so overall, good story. Like I said, I really love the Transformer artwork. The Ghostbusters, I don't like. I find it ugly and unappealing. <laughs> I like so, it. I think it's pretty cool. So with that in mind, I give it a four. But I will definitely be reading the rest of it. Yeah, I'm already, I'm already like sitting here going through it, reading it. So I got to give it back to you. Yeah, I'm gonna go home and read it tonight. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um. Now my final book. This one I'm actually excited about. This is from IDW, and it is the newest series for Usagi Yojimbo. Never read this character. Really? Yeah. Oh, I read. I got into Usagi Yojimbo because of the turtles. Yeah. Um. There's always been one of the of few. One of the few characters created at that time that's still around yes yes uh, from that from the, the from the black and white independent genre mm -hmm. that kind of was inspired by the turtles and all that stuff right and it's been the last few years it's been doing miniseries mm -hmm. which i keep trying to read but then i keep missing 
Um, but now this is an ongoing. Is this like um, is this like Gru, where every time they do something, it's always the exact same creative team? Like the the team on mm-hmm. this has been the same team that's been on since day one. This is written, drawn, created, and lettered by Stan Sakai. Yeah, I wasn't he's, sure if you ever had anybody else that worked on no, it with him. He's been. I mean, he might have occasionally for special issues yeah. or whatever. But this is his baby. Yeah, he's been doing it this whole time. Yeah, and. A new thing, though, is this has always been a black and white book. Yeah. It is now in color. Mm-hmm. So the colorist is Tom Lewis, and the color is... A- and um, it's Usagi Ojimbo. Yeah. If you are... Is it serious, like, Japanese, like, historical kind of, kind of lore, or is it more like a comedy book, or is it... It is, it is not a comedy book. Mm-hmm. There's... You know, there's some occasional com- comedic elements in it. Yeah, but it's not not meant not. It doesn't focus on that. No, but it it is a. It's hard to call it a serious book because it's about a samurai rabbit, mm-hmm. and it's all anthropomorphized animals. Mm-hmm. But it is a serious book. It's more, you know, it's a fun book, but it's very serious. Um, and I actually used to be able to draw Usagi or Jimbo. The only thing I could ever draw. You still can. You just have to try. Yeah. Yeah. John loves his character. He talks about him all the time. I I love Usagi too, I'm, and I'm I'm very happy about this and excited. I think about he may it. have. I think John may have an original drawing, an original sketch. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So it. I mean, I'm happy with this mm-hmm. because I'm an Usagi fan. Are you okay with the color? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've always wanted it to be color. I know a traditional Japanese. I mean, um, traditionally it's always been black and white, mm-hmm. and some people say, "Oh, it should always be." But no, I've always wanted it to be color. So I'm happy with it in color. Um, I mean, the, the artwork is of a certain style. Mm-hmm. So you have to be, you know, you have to, if you're okay with that. Then well, I'm okay with this kind of, this kind of art easy. And I also, I also read a lot of, a lot of like, well, I grew up reading anthropomorphic animals right. doing things, you know, so like turtles or Captain Carrot or all that stuff. So. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I say give it a shot. I think you might enjoy it. Um I like Usagi as a character. He's a great mm. character. Um, a little disappointed I don't see his pet Spot, who was um, a little green dinosaur. If you look on my shelf over there. right, oh, next right to there? Me. Yep. That's an awesome figure, man. Yes. Isn't it? That's my Usagi figure. He's, and- got, a, uh, he's got a figurine here, and it is oh, Stan Sakai's company made it in 1998. Yeah. It's and really nice. The little guy there, that Spot, his green yeah. like, dinosaur, dinosaur yeah. guy. Which I haven't seen yet. I don't know. Maybe something happened to Spot in the years I've missed out. Anyway, this is this is a fun little kind of intro, um, not really introductory. It doesn't like tell you about the history of Usagi and all that, but it's it's a good introduction to the character. Yeah. So I give this a five. Yeah. Because I love I love it. I love Usagi. I'm happy he's back in an ongoing. Yeah. I'm glad it's in color. I don't know a single person that 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 you know has been reading it all along that hasn't loved every every new thing that's oh, yeah. come out. Yeah, so. it, and because it's it's feudal Japan. Yeah, which I love. That's mm-hmm. that's you know one of my favorite time periods. Um, and it's anthropomorphized yeah. animals. Yeah. Who doesn't love that? Yep. So I say cool. give it a shot. Hey, right, I will. I'll you, try you, it. You probably you might enjoy it. I, I bet you I will. All right. So that's it for our reviews. So let's cover some stories quickly. All right, so you wanted to talk about Swamp Thing and Doom Patrol. Yeah, so we just finished we just finished Doom Patrol and we're 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 watching Swamp Thing every week and we're at a point 
as of the time of this recording. Uh, they release one a week, so mm-hmm. I'm up to date on that. Um, I fell behind on Doom Patrol, so we were kind of able to bang through a bunch of those. But Doom Patrol, the production on that on that show is very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stories are. It is not a superhero, not a superhero right, uh, right. show. Heard, yep. It is odd. It is good, and it is you have to you have to be prepared to watch a lot of different lifestyles going on in there. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. So when they deal with Danny the Street and all that stuff, there's a lot of like transgender stuff going on in those episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, the series is amazing. It's really, really good. I've I have not heard. I know a couple of people that have watched it. I mm-hmm. have not heard anybody. It's great. It's really good. It's like that's all I've heard. Titans, Doom Patrol, and I'm just talking about the live action stuff right now. And Swamp Thing is what what's been released since mm-hmm. they did this. And as much as I like the Titans, Titans is probably the weakest out of all of them right now. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, Doom Patrol is excellent, and um, the 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 very last episode, I didn't like as much as Doom Patrol? of Doom Patrol. I didn't like as much as I enjoyed. Like, so I think it's twelve episodes total. Mm-hmm. Episode eleven to me was it. It mm-hmm. was a culmination of everything. Episode twelve, I thought, eh, it kind of felt like it was tacked on. Mm-hmm. Um, but Swamp Thing, whew, Swamp Thing's great. Is it? That show should have never have been canceled. But just the the trailers alone that I've seen of it. Yeah. It is dark. Yeah. It is creepy. Mm-hmm. It is if in 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 the the technology that they use for all the all the special effects is mm. not just CG. Oh. Um, oh. So oh. I mean, there is CG, right, but right. when the, if there's like in episode one, there's a corpse that's killed by vines going through the whole body, mm-hmm. and uh, and they they kind of are messing around with it, and the vines kind of animate again. Mm-hmm. So the whole body is kind of like oh, cool. doing this yeah. stuff, and that's really good. And uh, there's little little Easter eggs for all of Swamp Thing history going on in there. My only my only critique would be that the science story and the supernatural story seem very separate at this point mm. and there's and i don't think i don't see them interact interacting at any point mm-hmm. but they're going to obviously but there's scientists that are causing the swamp to grow faster than it should which is causing people to get sick hmm. uh which had which led to swamp thing being formed because the people that are behind that killed alcohol but now there's a woman who's interacting with the ghost of her, her long dead daughter and other other like ghosts and stuff are showing up. So there is a strong supernatural element, and there is a strong science element, and that's very reminiscent of Swamp Thing to begin with. So I'm okay with it. But I just for being almost halfway through the season, if 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 this week's episode doesn't kind of bring it together, then I'm gonna be like, oh, this is gonna have to wrap up pretty quick. <laughs> so, but uh, Blue Devils in it? Yes, I saw that. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's crazy. And uh, he's not a devil right now. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but the, the Dan Cassidy is in it. And uh, apparently this week's episode has Phantom Stranger in it, right? Mm. Crazy. If it's a legit Phantom Stranger, mm. that could be awesome. That is, yeah. Yeah. That's Madam cool. Xanadu's in it, too. Yes, yeah. Uh, That's a perfect um, a perfect series to throw in characters like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm enjoying it Just, a yeah. lot. And the Swamp Thing, the, the suit looks really good. Oh, cool. Um, I mean, they do they do use uh, computer animation to make the vines move on the body and stuff like sure, that. Yeah. But the suit looks great on this guy. Cool. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Now, speaking of, you did mention it did get canceled, unfortunately. Yeah. And there's a whole thing behind that. Yeah. 
There's all kinds of stories I've heard behind that. Right, all kinds. Yeah. You know, there's this big story about, oh, Warner Brothers is going to get rid of DC Universe and have it be under, you know, they're going to have like a their own. That's what I think. I think I think they're not renewing. They're not renewing stuff until they figure out what's going to go on with that. But the other thing is that it has to do with the tax break that they were getting from the state that they were filming. Yes, in. that as well. Yep. So, which is messed up. But. Yeah. Um, and it's also another thing that that's disappointing about that is I read an article where there was a plan to do at least three seasons of Swamp Thing originally, and then we had to do Dark. Justice and then League lead Dark. it into Justice League Dark. Yeah. And when I read that, I was like, oh. Yeah. I don't know I how I feel Justice about that, Dark. but I, 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 I like it and don't like it. Like, I would rather Swamp Thing just be Swamp Thing. Sure, yeah. but And only the supernatural stuff. Like, the more I'm watching this, the more I want to see a demon show. <laughs> I think I think, I think think having, you know, the demon as a live action show could be awesome. It could. I love the demon. I'm not sure about the constant rhyming. He doesn't have to rhyme. I mean, oh no! If you you know, I agree. He doesn't have to rhyme. Yeah, but there are people who say, "Oh no, the demon has to rhyme." <laughs> Period. If he doesn't rhyme, he's not the demon. Some of the diehards. I remember yeah. he only rhymed when Matt Wagner took over the book <laughs> in the nineties. Yeah, oh, yeah. He wasn't a rhyming demon before that, right? Yes. So. I hate the rhyming. It's just like because sometimes it's like, all right, you just you're just pulling stuff out of your butt. <laughs> just to get the rhyme, you know. Oh, I gotta make this rhyme. What am I gonna do? Anyway. Yeah, it restricts the writing process a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think that would be really good. I, but I could see, other than the rhyming, I could definitely see. Yeah. Um. A um. A demon. And the more I think about Blue Devil show. being in the show, like I, I, I can't see him. Like, there's movie posters of him in the background of him looking like Blue Demon in the comics. Oh yeah, yeah. But if he were to be turned into a demon. Even if he's bluish tinted, I mean, I'm in my mind. I'm thinking all these ways they could show him and make him like he doesn't even have to look like a demon all the time. He could go right. back and forth. They basically could make him the demon. Well, but Blue Devil could be could be like a shifting form in the comics. It's it's not. It's a suit. It's a suit. It's a suit. It's a suit he built, and and his what first is issue, he he was a, he was a stuntman right. slash actor. For right. B movies, which is what he is in the show here, right. and he 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 created the suit, which had abilities to help him do his stunts. Like I love stuff like that because you like in real life. You're like, okay, so if you had really created a suit like that in real life, yeah, you know, yeah, you could fly, you <laughs> yeah, do all this crap, right? And uh, and then and which then always kill me about Spider Man, but that's a whole different, yeah, thing, you know. And then uh, and then a real demon shows up and mistakes him for a demon. Right, yeah. And he does and, and, and magic happens and he gets bonded to the suit. Magic happens. <laughs> that's always that's always the way. Yeah. So that's how it happens in a comic. Yes. So that's right, yep. And that came out around the same time that Blue Blue Beetle was relaunched and all that stuff. Right, and, yep. yeah. DC in the day, good times. That could be. I'm gonna put that into the back issue, the back issue bin that oh, we're gonna. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that idea. I, yeah, I like that idea that you that you're gonna do. <clears throat> so there you go. Good to hear. Swamp Thing was awesome. Too. Yeah. So it seems like. So it's it's. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I love the I love the streaming service. I like reading comics, and I like the. I still buy comics, but I like reading the stuff that is out oh, of my price yeah, range right now. Right, like yeah. I want to read some stuff. Yeah. So. Um, but it sounds like they're doing a really good job with their stuff. So you know, I don't know what's coming next. 
if anything. I haven't heard anything. Oh, uh, on the DC streaming service? Yeah. Oh, there's the Harley. The Harley movie. show's next. Uh, Stargirl's after that. That's right. Yeah. And there's one other thing that's lined up after that. I like to do in, um, other than Harley, they're, they're doing a lot of the, um, and Titans. They're doing the, the lower tiered characters, yeah. which is cool. Very patiently waiting for them to stream Batman versus Ninja Turtles. Because they, mm. they did the animated movie for that. I want to watch that. And it's out, I think, for sale. Mm. And I thought, and, and and so far, the second stuff hits the stores, it's on the streaming service. Right, right. But this hasn't happened yet. So mm. I'm just like crossing my fingers waiting for that to happen. All right, cool. So um, here's another thing I want to hear your opinion on, because I've heard some opinions on this. So I want to hear your opinion. Good. And that is the Godzilla movie that came out. Godzilla King of Monsters. I loved it. That was great. Did you really? Yeah, I did. That was really good. So wow. the first Godzilla movie, I didn't like that much because every time they went to go show Godzilla, they cut away to something else. See, I heard they did that in this one. Well, they do and they don't. Ah. So in the first Godzilla movie, there's a lot of humans talking to humans, mm-hmm. and then Godzilla shows up, and then giant doors come down, and they're like, we're behind walls now, we're safe, and you don't mm-hmm. see Godzilla anymore. Mm-hmm. Or he'll step behind of a building. And then all of a sudden, the action will go to some kid watching it on TV, mm-hmm. and that TV's all the way across the room. Mm-hmm. So that a lot of that action was going on. I didn't right, like that yeah. in the first Godzilla movie. And this one, every, I would have to say, at minimum, every 15 to 20 minutes, there's a monster on screen hmm. for maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Hmm. And then they go to humans talking at each other about whatever they talk about. Mm-hmm. And then there's a monster on the screen again. And then they go back to humans talking to each other. And then there's a monster on the screen again. And to me, that's perfect. Monsters are there. Monsters are fighting. <laughs> humans are telling you what their plans are. Monsters are there. Monsters are fighting. <laughs> I, I, at no point during this movie did I feel bored or unhappy with the amount of monster I was seeing on the screen. Interesting. So, and I, I, I talked to hardcore Godzilla fans that don't agree with me. So I yes. think I'm the only person that feels this way. <laughs> my friend Chris, who is my co-host on my podcast keepers of the fringe yeah uh he we he did a little mini review of it last episode he did not like it what did he like he just didn't like the story ignore the story it's just monsters no he he felt that see he felt like they kept cutting away from the monster fights too much yeah he felt like there wasn't enough monster in it so there was way more than there wasn't in the other movie right if you compare it to the first godzilla movie it's a hundred times better i have not seen it so i can't con- comment on you should that, watch but. them both uh, I've watched. I have watched the first one. Yeah, you should definitely see the second one. See, I didn't hate the first one. King of Door is really good in this one. Yeah, like I never, I never. Well, see, that's the thing is, I'm not. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch a ton of giant monster movies growing up. Uh, 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 I did, but not like some of my other friends did. Yeah, and um, I watch a lot of Universal monster movie stuff, like all the black and white okay. Frankenstein's, Dracula's, all this stuff. But um, Ghidorah's heads, um do their own thing the center one is in charge Mm -hmm. which i never knew like the center one is the boss Mm -hmm. so the other ones start doing this start doing whatever they're doing and the the center one will start beating the crap out of the other heads (laughs) to kind of put them in line so i thought that was pretty interesting Mm. all right interesting so you're one of the few who actually enjoyed it (laughs) all right somebody walked out happy for what they spent (laughs) well that's good at least all right so um we're running a little long here. So, what are we at now? An hour? Two hours? Almost two hours. All right, yeah. So let me just talk about this real quick, and then yep. we can wrap it up if you want. Yeah. All right. So you wanted to talk about the DC rebranding. Yeah. So DC just just announced that they're changing um, 
the changing how their focus on books. So they had <clears throat> over the course of like the last six months, maybe we're introducing a, 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 a young ages, all ages line. There was DC Zoom. Oh yeah, which was going to be intended for children under the age of ten. Okay, and they were going to be probably single issues or something that kids can run around with, read, throw away, whatever they want to do. It's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. I think mm-hmm. any 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 way any of the big three, I call them three now. I need a big two um, can f- give stuff to focus on younger kids to read. I think mm-hmm. is great. Yes. And then they were doing DC Inc. DC Inc. was going to be focusing on preteens. Mm-hmm. Okay, so ten to 13, 14 mm-hmm. in that area. Um, and that was going to be manga style, trade style, something they could spend ten to fifteen bucks on, get a, get a big story. And it was going to be different takes on characters. Uh, not necessarily set in the DC universe, but it'll be like young Catwoman or young right. Robin. Because mm-hmm. we, we we get sent copies of this stuff like a few months before it comes out. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm able to read all this stuff. It's good. It's good stuff for kids and it's good stuff mm. for, for, I think, everybody. Mm. Um, so they had that. And they didn't publish a whole lot of the stuff yet. But they've been pushing it, but they didn't publish a lot. Um, and then there's the DC titles. And then there was Vertigo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Vertigo was revitalized maybe five years ago, about. They brought that back, and it was supposed to be creator-owned, independent, um, more adult-oriented comics set outside the DC Universe, but with connections to the DC Universe. Right. So they just made an, they just made an announcement next week that they're dropping the Zoom and the, ink, the, 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 Zoom and the Ink line mm. and rolling it into DC Kids, which I think is a terrible idea. Mm. Yeah. The DC Universe itself is still going to be DC Comics. And they're dropping Vertigo and rolling right. it into yeah. Black Label. Right. All right. Now, I feel that dropping the Younger Ages uh, ink and the Zoom and ink, I think they should drop, I think they should have dropped Zoom and just called it ink is what they should have done. Yeah. But calling it kids is going to detract a lot of people from reading this stuff, I think. Right. I think ink is, is, is outside of the DC norm. And I think ink is going to be appealing to everybody. Like I would walk up and go, Oh, DC ink. I'll read this. Sure. I have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. Ink is what you use to write. <laughs> <laughs> um, the regular DC stuff is just going to be the normal DC stuff and getting rid of vertigo. I have no problem with that, but rolling it into the black label to me is a crutch to support the black label line yeah. that got destroyed because of one comic because black label got wrecked because of, Batman Damned. Oh, right. Right? The Bat Dong. The Bat Dong that was heard around the world. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Slowed down their entire production, production, like, schedule for, for that stuff. Ridiculous, but anyway. That's a and, and different thing. I think rolling Vertigo into that just means that they could put out everything that they were putting out all along under the Black Label line and be like, yeah, DC Black Label's still going on. See, what, 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 what can... And they're also rebranding older stuff like Watchmen and and Batman Dark uh, White Knight under the Black Label right, line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What bothers me about that is is Vertigo was a very well established name. Yeah, from the late eighties all the way up through two thousand. Everybody knows Vertigo. Yep. And they know, and Vertigo has always been quality mm-hmm. for the most part, good quality stuff. And you know why they brought it back? Because it got Neil Day- Neil Gaiman to come back. Right. And they were they were okay to do Sandman again, right. or the Sandman universe stuff again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that means that they're losing it or or what's going to go on. But Neil yeah. Gaiman had a had a had a, had a firm 
finger in that pie, mm-hmm. if that even makes sense. As far as he, <laughs> he, he kind of was, was steering that ship. Right. So I don't understand why they would kill Vertigo. I don't think they're, they're not killing Vertigo, but they're just no, kind of, but- they're trying to tighten up their, they're trying to tighten up their lines. And I think they could have done that very easily by rolling Zoom into Ink. Sure. And, <laughs> and rolling Black Label into Vertigo. Yes. <laughs> I think so too, because. The Black Label, the concept was very exciting when they announced it. Sure. Right. But Bat Dong ruined it. <laughs> Bat Dong ruined it. And that's life, I yeah. guess. <laughs> So I mean that's just my opinion. I feel like I feel like those editorial guys. That's my opinion, and that's what I say. So, so basically, basically, it got ruined by a dick pic. Yeah, or less. And that story, that storyline wrapped up this week, and I don't know how it wrapped up. I, I was joking around that it was a missed opportunity for DC because uh, Swamp Thing's very prominent in this next issue, right? And he's a giant Swamp Thing. <laughs> Right, so I, I told I, I told John I go John, this is a missed opportunity because they could have shown a giant swamp thing, <laughs> a giant swamp thing thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. <laughs> Too bad we couldn't get John on here one of these days. I'd love to hear some of his opinions. Yeah, I can imagine most of the things he'd say. Ah, <laughs> uh, John, who also. For people who are like, I don't know who's John. I don't know what you're talking. He's also um, works with Dario at the comic book store. Yeah. You could say, no, no, he's the head manager at the comic shop. <laughs> all right, if you want to get technical, <laughs> so that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, um, and and for me, it's just weird. All this stuff with Marvel and DC. It seems like there's a lot of confusion going on. A lot of changes that. They're not quite sure. Well, Marvel is feel that feels like they need to write a history of the Marvel Universe, which I love and hate at the same time. Because yeah. once they yeah. once they once that book comes out, I mean it's kind of set in stone, right? Okay, so if they're gonna say the Fantastic Four happened in the '60s, that means all of a sudden they have to make the Fantastic Four a lot older than everybody else, right? Right. Um, I mean, in my head, I've always liked the idea of of of, of Marvel happening generational, mm-hmm. and that in that in that you know it starts with Spider Man. Oh, that starts with, it would, it would actually have to start with Cap uh, in the Human oh, Torch and all that yeah. stuff. Uh, but you know, have that all be generational and that kind of stuff. But right. you know, obviously, you can't do that because you want to be able to sell these books to kids nowadays. Yeah. Uh, but they're doing a Marvel history, history in the Marvel universe, which should be interesting. But hopefully, it doesn't pigeonhole them in the in the following that timeline. Depending on whether they actually get into the actual time frame right. of it, like you said, the Fantastic Four, this happened in the 60s. Right. Or if they just say, this is how the Fantastic Four... Right, that's probably what it's going to do, is they're right, just going to give yeah. the general generalization of what happened, but not attach years to it. I'm interested. I'm probably going to check that out. I'm definitely I'm definitely subscribing to it. Yeah. And then what's the other thing coming up? Oh, yeah, the, the, the Hickman X-Men reboot. Right, which I'm excited about, which is also weird because... In order to do this, Hickman had them kill everything, all the X-Men books. I was thinking on my ride over here, what if we find out that this whole time Professor X has been sitting with Cerebro on his head? Oh, no. Like, projecting this stuff in everybody's oh. heads? <laughs> okay? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the, the uh, oh, I, I just woke up from a really weird dream. <laughs> No, but the, the the world's most powerful psychic yeah. could very easily influence the, the the news or whatever. And true, you know, true, yeah. But we'll see. I, Hickman, 
Hickman hasn't failed me as a writer yet, so. No. Yes, which is why I'm very excited for this. Um, his two books, The House of X and apparently... Powers of X, isn't it? Is it? No, it's House of X for House sure. House of X, yeah. Powers of Ten. Powers of Ten? It's actually called Powers of Ten. Oh. I learned that on the Marvel podcast. Hmm. This week in Marvel. Even though it's an X. Even though it's an X. Because it's a Roman numeral. They kept, yep, they kept, that's what because that's what I was like, oh, House of X, Powers of X. And they're like, no, it's Powers of Ten. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> right, not really. I'm like, okay, whatever. I might still call it. Anyway. Yeah, I'm looking forward to those. I think everybody's going to call it Powers of X. Uh, yeah. I guarantee you. But yeah, the official word is it's Powers of Ten, apparently. That's cool. There you go. So you learn something. <laughs> so all these things we're looking forward to. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right, so I guess that'll do it for us this evening. It's yeah. been quite a show. Um, that's what happens when we miss someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it takes a while to get all caught up in the reviews. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, as always, thanks for coming, Dario. Thanks yep. for joining me. My pleasure. It's always fun talking comics with you. Good. You too. And stuff. And, you know, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll do it for us this evening. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, until next time, good night, everybody. I'll see ya. Thank you for your cooperation.